And are you ready for the word today? Amen. Amen. So thankful for the word of God. And I just want you to open your ears and your hearts and listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit has for us today. And so we're going to read from the book of Joshua, chapter number 4, verses 1 through 8, and Joshua chapter 15, verses through 24, okay? So listen to the words of the book of Joshua this morning. Hear the word of the Lord from the book of Joshua, chapter 4. And it came to pass, when all the people had crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and name them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's foot stood stern, stood firm. You shall carry them over the over with you and leave in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God, for the into the midst of the Jordan, and each of one each of each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged. And they laid them down there. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then, the, then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. And all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it was mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, just a pile of stones, just a pile of stones. Now, for the next four Sundays, this is my sermon series, Just a Pile of Stones. And I'm preparing you for Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday is February the 20th, a Sunday morning. And all day that day, we will be celebrating the vision of Christ Point Church. Without a vision, the Bible says, we perish. And it's important that we go in the right direction, but we go in the right direction that the Lord wants us to go. It's not necessarily our pace. It is the direction in which we're going. And so on February the 20th, we're going to have Vision Sunday. So these sermons are pre-vision sermons. I am preparing your heart for the vision on February the 20th. So each Sunday in the month of February, we're going to look at just a pile of stones as we prepare our hearts for the vision that God has in store for us. You know, um, does everybody have an iPhone? I don't know where my iPhone's at. How many has an iPhone? Everybody lift up your iPhone. Come on. Does everybody have an iPhone? How many has a smartphone? If you have a smartphone, raise your hand. How many likes uh, uh, Apple better than Android? How many likes Android better than Apple? Y'all. Yeah, Most everybody I know has a Facebook because you have a smartphone, right? And you know that Facebook is a social media platform that gives you the ability to stay connected to people, don't it? 
Now, there are numerous things this morning that I could say about Facebook. There are some positive things I could say. Of course, there are some negative things I could say about Facebook as well. But I choose not to speak on the negative things about Facebook. I really searched my heart this morning to try to find something positive about Facebook. And you know what? I did. I found something positive about Facebook. Do you all want to know what the positives are? One positive thing I found about Facebook, and if you go to your Facebook, if you go to the, your, your, uh, the drop-down where it talks about memories and your pictures and your videos, one thing I found about Facebook is that it gives you the option to view your memories every year. So, for instance, if I go to my Facebook account, I could click on memories, and I could look at what I was doing last year at this time. And what's really interesting is I could really go back as far as I've had Facebook, which is about 10 years. I can go all the way back 10 years and see if I posted something on this day. And it's really interesting to see those comments that I have written, see those pictures that I've posted. And sometimes I'm thinking to myself, what in the world was I thinking, you know? Why in the world did I post that? But it's also encouraging because then I could see some things in my life that I was struggling with, some of my thoughts, my prayers, and I could look back and see what God has done in my life. So actually, those memories on Facebook can be very beneficial in reminding you of what God has done in your life and what God has done through your life. Now, the story I just read to you this morning is about a man, or Ronnie read to you this morning, is about a man by the name of Joshua. And the Bible says that he is the leader of God's people. He's the new leader of God's people. And the Bible tells us that he is leading God's people to a land, a promised land. God gave them a piece of land that they could live there and demonstrate to the whole world that there is only but one God. Joshua, who is this leader, is leading God's people to this land. But yet they had to fight some battles. And let me just say this, that just because God has promised you something doesn't mean that there's not a battle that you might have to face. And so they had to face some battles before they got to the promised land. And Jordan, which was the Jordan River, the Jordan River is what separated them from the promised land. Joshua and God's people was on one side. On the other side of the Jordan River was the promised land that God gave them. That was the promise. But they had to cross the Jordan River in order to get to the promised land. The Jordan River wasn't just a little bank. The Jordan River was something you know, to be afraid of. I mean, it was something that they needed to be, they didn't have their own resources and skills to walk on dry ground. They had their horses and their chariots. They had their supplies and resources. They needed dry ground to walk across to get to the promised land. And yet, God did a miraculous thing that day. God dried up the Jordan River. And those people... The scripture says in Joshua chapter 3, walked on dry ground and they walked into the promised land. That was a great victory. It reminds me of what God did for them hundreds of years before when God dried, or years before when he dried up the Red Sea. The same God that dried up the Red Sea for the children of Israel and they walked on dry ground is the same God for this new generation that dried up the Jordan River so that they could walk on dry ground. Can I just stop and preach a little bit? The same God that my grandparents served is the same God that you and I serve today. And the same God that did miracles back then is the same God that can do miracles today. The Scripture says in the book of Hebrews that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This new generation... The new generation that Joshua was leading into the promised land, this new generation hadn't seen the miraculous works of God. But God did a work that day, and he dried up the Jordan River, and they walked on dry ground. And this was a reminder 
that the same God that did it for their grandpa and grandma and mom and dad years ago when he dried up the Red Sea is the same God that can do it for you today. And I want to let you know today we serve a miracle working God. I don't know about you, but I said we serve a miracle working God. Years ago, when I was around 22 years old and I was pastoring my first church in a little city called Cynthiana, Kentucky, I'll never forget this experience that I had as a pastor. I have alluded to this story at times, but I feel like it's appropriate for me to remind you of this story because it's certainly a memory that I have not forgot. Neither will I ever forget this memory. There was an old man who attended my church, didn't say much, wasn't involved in much, didn't have much to say, didn't even stand up, wouldn't raise his hands, wouldn't do much. I didn't even know if he was saved or not. One day, that man went to the hospital, and they found brain cancer in his brain. And they said to him, we called him Joby. His name was Joe. And they said to Joby, you only have X amount of weeks to live. For the cancer is spreading throughout your brain, and you have a few weeks to live to get your house in order. His dear wife was a great member of my church and very active. She cleaned the church. And Pastor Sean, who sits on the front row, went to the church. He can verify that this story is true. Sister Jean called me on the phone and said, Pastor, I am at the Baptist Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky, and they've given Joby a few years, a few weeks to live. And I was shocked. And I said, Sister Jean, what's wrong? And they said, well, they found brain cancer, and they've only given him a few weeks to live. And I was so in disbelief. So I got in my car that evening and drove to Lexington, Kentucky, went to, I think it was the uh, sixth floor, remember getting off the sixth floor, walking to his room. When I walked into his room, I went up to his bedside after I greeted his wife, and I looked at Joby, and I said, Joby, I heard that the doctor has only given you a few weeks to live. He said, yes, pastor. I said, Joby, do you believe that Jesus Christ is a healer? He says, I do, pastor. I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ can heal you the moment that I lay hands upon you? I do, pastor. I got out my Bible. I'll never forget it. Read the book of James chapter 5. If there be any sick among us, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will raise him up. I got a little bit of oil out of my pocket, crossed his head, laid my hands upon him, and commanded the cancer to die in his body. As I was praying for him, I felt warmth come out of my right arm into his head. And I looked at Joby, and I said, Joby, I said, did you feel that? As he was crying, he was shaking his head. I looked to his wife, and of course his wife was an old school Pentecostal, you know. She was just jerking over there, and you know, how many knows you need people like that when your life is going crazy? So we, and I, and I said, Sister Jean, did you feel that? She said, oh yes, Pastor, I felt that. I walked out of the room, and I knew as I was going down the elevator that God had done something for that older man that day. Three days later, three or four days later, I got a phone call from Sister Jean, Sister Jean said, Pastor, we had them to do another MRI or something on his brain scan, to do another brain scan after you prayed. And the doctor came in, and so God is my witness. He came in to Joby and said, Joby, I don't know what happened, but there is no cancer in your brain. And I want to let you all know today that we serve a miracle working God. And the same God that did it for Joby is the same God that's going to do it for Keegan. And the same God that's going to do it for you. And the same God that's going to do it for you. We serve a miracle working God. Is there about 50 people in the building that can stand to your feet and say, Pastor, I believe that he's a healer. He's a healer. You've come too far to tell me that this thing don't work. My friends, if it don't work, let's shut down the church and burn the church down, and let's go and do our own thing. But if this thing works, let's serve Jesus. If God is, if, if Bell is God, then by Lord, let's worship Bell. But if God is God, let's worship him. 
I love Facebook because I can look back on my memories and it can show me that God is a God that's working in and through me. And those memories are like stones. Because you remember in this story that Pastor Ronnie just read, after they crossed over the Jordan River, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, go over there and pick up 12 large stones and pile them right here. Right here where I delivered you from the Jordan River. And when your children come by, and they see this pile of stones, they will be told, this is what God did at the Jordan River. This is what God did at the Jordan River. You see, it's just a pile of stones, but those stones was a memorial to future generations that the same God that did it for grandma and granddad is the same God that's going to bring you through right now. I know that you don't have stones, physical stones, and we're not, we don't have physical stones. We don't work like that anymore. That's why I use Facebook as an analogy because it can be a stone. When you look at your memories and see that God has heard your prayers and brought you through, sometimes Facebook tells it all. And sometimes you can see that God has brought you through. But maybe, maybe you and I can sit there and you can go through the Rolodex of your mind and you could flip through the years of your life and you can pinpoint, I remember where I didn't have money to pay my bills and God showed up at the midnight hour. I remember when I was broke, busted, and disgusted. and I didn't know what to do, but yet somehow God came through. Can somebody shout hallelujah? You see, maybe you have a Rolodex this morning that you can go through the Rolodex of your mind and find a stone, find a memory that can remind you that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. There was this little woman, Kenneth Hagin said in his book, The Supernatural Power of God. There was this woman who was praying one day. She had no food. She was barely making it. Her husband had left her. She was down at the barrel of the mill where the rubber make the road. She had nothing left. She was in her closet praying to the Lord. She said, Lord, I don't have nothing. I have barely any food to feed my three children. I have just a little bit left. And she reminded the Lord of the story of the woman of Zarephath, where the woman only had a little bit of bread left and oil left, and she was going to eat it for her and her son, and they were going to die. She said, Lord, you remember that story? That's where I'm at. I have no food to feed these children. I, I don't know what to do when they come home from school. I, I don't know what to do, Lord. I barely have enough money to even pay my bills. You see, this woman was a staunch believer in the Lord. She had served the Lord all of her life and had misfortune happen several times. The Bible, and this, Kenneth Hagin says that as she was praying, somebody knocked on the door. She went to the door, and as she opened the door, she found three bags of groceries. And she looked outside, and she couldn't find anybody. And yet, when she looked in the distance, she saw an older man walking. And she said, hey, 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 stop. Hey, hey, man, stop. Who are you? And the man turned around, and she noticed that it was a man that had criticized her for years for living for Jesus. And the man said, when he looked at her, he said, Ma'am, I, I, I got an extra bonus today, and I thought maybe I'd just do a good deed today. Just want to do a good deed. And the woman said, That's okay. I'll take a, the good deed. The Lord could even use the devil to bless a woman of God like me. You see, I want to let you know today that you may find yourself in a situation that looks hopeless and bleak, but I want you to find a stone. Surely, there's something in your life that you can remember that God did. And when you start to remember those stones, it brings encouragement because you know that if God did it then, he can do it right now. I want to let you all know we serve a good God. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I went and got my stones. I have a book called my testimony book. Now, i got to talk about myself 
because I can't talk about you. I don't know your life as well as I know my life. And I'm not talking about this to bring glory to me or to make me look good. Forgive me if it comes across that way. But I want to show you the power of having stones in your life. See, Joshua picked up a few stones after they were delivered from the Jordan River. And he put some stones at the Jordan River. It served as a reminder to future generations that when they looked at the stone, that God did something for my mom and my dad. God dried up the Jordan River, and they walked over on dry ground. You see, I got a few books this morning. They're my journals. And I'd started doing this when I was 13 years old. Because as I was praying as a young teenager, the Lord says, I want you to record what I do for you. And I asked the Lord as a young teenager, why do you want me to do that? Some people may think that I'm uh, gloating. He says, but you're gloating in me. And I said, but Lord, it doesn't make sense. He says, I want you to leave them for your children. Because when I'm dead and gone, I want my kids to come and pick up a book. Read stories like, in 1993, I was asking the Lord for $20 to go to the convenience store. As I said in church that morning, all I had in my pocket was four pennies. I gave the four pennies in the offering, and as I was walking out of the church after the pastor was done preaching, a woman came to me by the name of Joanne and gave me $20. On Thursday evening, May the 2nd, 1996, I was sitting in church, and all I had was $2. I thought it was a strange amount that I had. Didn't even know I had $2 in my pocket. But the scripture came to my mind as I sat there that obedience is better than sacrifice. So I gave my $2 in the offering. When I left the church that evening, I decided to go visit Miss Woods. Miss Woods is a elementary school teacher that had befriended me. She lived across the street. I walked across the street to say hello to her because she wanted to meet with me. And when I went over, she said she felt impressed three hours ago to give me a $100 check, and she put it in my pocket. I just know that God hears prayers. You see, what about your stones that you have? Do you have any stones that you can look back and see what God has done? Stones like July the 26th, 1998. I was standing at the West Virginia District Camp Meeting. Brother Tom came to me and prayed over me, laid hands on me, and said, My son, the Lord told me to tell you that you will be a unique person, but just be you, for God has called you. And he has anointed you. What about another stone? Just flip through the pages. On September the 5th of 2002, I was standing in church, and the pastor said, do not doubt your calling because of your difficulty. He didn't realize I was very depressed in pastoring. You're not a want-to-be pastor. You are just a pastor. You were created for this moment. In time and space, God created you to be a pastor. Listen to other ministers. Always be teachable and gentle. And God will take you further in places where you never thought that you would ever go. You see, my friends, I'm not here to boast about my life. I don't have no physical stones. I just got some journals. I got some stones that I could look back and see that God said something and God is going to perform it. And as I pray for this church, I've prayed for this church for years, and I have wrote in this black journal what God has said about this church. One time as I was praying, about four years ago in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, if you, my son, devote yourself to prayer, I will take care of this building. I also heard the Holy Spirit tell me, let me be the hand that guides the pencil. Do not write your own story, but let me write 
the story? You see, over and over, I have so many stones that I could share with you. I just want you to know that we are a forgetful people at times. You see, we forget how God has brought us through. We forget the blessings of God. You forget when you used to make just a few dollars and you barely had enough money to put in your car for gas. We forget that, don't we? We forget when we used to live in a little shack apartment and barely had enough money to pay the light bill. We forget it because now we're prosperous. Now we're doing well. Sometimes we struggle with a disease called spiritual amnesia. But some of us need to be reminded of where we've come from. You see that communion table to my left? That communion table is a sacrament of the church. And the sacrament is based upon something. Do this in memory of me. In other words, every time you do it, you need to remember what I have done. And in fact, the reason that we do it is to keep perpetuating the memory over year after year. You see, for future generations, if the Lord does not tarry, the future generations will stand at that table, eat the bread, and drink the juice, and remember the sacrifice that he has done because Jesus is afraid that some of us will forget. You see, that bread and that juice is a stone to cause us to remember that somebody paid the price. These books are stones to remind me of what God has done in my life because there might come a time in my life that I feel discouraged. There might come a time in my life where I feel like, God, how are you going to pay this bill? And God, how are you going to do this? And God, what are you going to do this? i got to go back to my stones, and i got to read them. And every time I read them, Pastor Ronnie, I'm encouraged because I know that God brought me through these situations, and I know that God is going to bring me through this time. Somebody say hallelujah. I want to let you know that we need to be reminded today that if God delivered us then, he will deliver us now. If God provided for us then, God will provide for us now. If God protected us then, God will protect us now. If God sustained us then, God will sustain us now. If God healed us then, can God can heal us now. You see, it may just be a pile of stones to some folks. It may just look like a pile of stones to you. It may mean nothing to you, but it's everything to me because it shows me that God can do it again. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that has a pile of stones that you can look back and say, God, I remember what you've done for me. And as you look at this black book that I have this morning called the Bible, this Bible is a pile of stones. It's memories. It's memories. Page after page. It's memories. Page after page. It's a stone of memories. God brought his people out of the Red Sea on the dry ground. God brought his people into the, into the wilderness and fed them manna from heaven and gave him water from a rock. God was the same God that spoke from a burning bush and anointed a man who couldn't even talk. He was God who brought his people through the land of Egypt and delivered him from the taskmaster, Pharaoh. It was God who protected the firstborn of the Israelites and slew the Egyptians, their firstborn. It was God, page after page, of stones, of miracles, signs, and wonders. It was the same God that brought the three Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. They didn't even know God was in the furnace. It took the king to look in and said, I thought I threw uh, three men in, but now I see four. Because sometimes in your life, you can't even see that God's in the fire with you. Sometimes it takes somebody else looking in and saying, I know God had to be with you or you would have never made it. Can I hear an amen? You see, sometimes you've just got to look at your stones and be reminded of what God is doing. And I want to prophesy to this church, I've already been to the prayer closet. I've already looked at my stones and God hasn't forgotten about Christ's point. We may not be a perfect church. We may not 
have everything together, but God works through imperfect people, through broken systems. God put a word here. He put a promise here. He put a pastor here. He put a seed here. He put musicians here. He gave us, come on, and God said, I'm going to do exactly what I said I'm going to do, even through imperfect systems and imperfect people. Because if it was perfect, you would get the glory for it. If we had everything together, you would get the praise for it. So maybe it's just God's plan to keep us lower, to keep our pride down so that his power could be made manifested through us. You see, the scripture says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the writer of Romans, who is Paul, clearly says, and I quote, for whatever things were written were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. In other words, it, these stones were given to us so that we would remember what God has done. You see, this is a simple sermon this morning. I am not exegesis in the Scriptures and giving you a bunch of Hebrew and Greek, and that's good because I love it. I've come to remind you that God is still the same. You see, two principles I want to share with you from the story. Principle number one, the pile of stones represented the movements of God among his people. You see, that's what the stone was for. Because as you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll, not, you'll just not find that there were stones in the book of Joshua, but you will find stones in other places. In fact, you'll find a stone, Jacob made a memorial. He made an offering. He made an altar. And God says, at this altar, my name shall be called this. Abraham made an altar, and my name shall be called this. God, throughout the scriptures, had people to set up altars or stones to remind future generations that God is the same for that generation that he will be for this generation. And so these stones were a movement of God. Every time God was moving, God was saying to someone, put a stone there. Because it was there that I gave you a second chance. Put a stone there. And somebody else would do something, and God would say, I want you to put a stone there. And I want you to call my name Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals I want you to put another stone here and call my name Jehovah Nissi, for my banner over you is victory and love. I want you to put another stone here and call my name this because these stones represented the movements of God in somebody's life. And you've got to have your own stones. You've got to find your own journals. You've got to remember what God is doing. Find your own stones so you can track the movements of God in your life. Write things down in a journal. Write things down in your Bible. Put a date there that the Lord said this. Make it a stone. In times of discouragement, in times of despondency, you can go back and remember what God did in that particular place. These were movements of God in their life. The stones out of the Jordan represented the movements of God in their life. And let me say this. That buildings are not memorials to us. Buildings are memorials to him. We exist to make God known in this world. Our buildings exist not to make us comfortable. This building wasn't built so we can tell everybody how beautiful it is and how comfortable it is. This building was built for God's glory and the advancement of God's kingdom. Buildings exist to commemorate the movements of God. Hallelujah. I know a few years ago I went uptown in Galena, up the road, and I went, a few of our staff members, and I also have went by myself, and I looked at Charles Parham's, I've looked at his place where he lived. I also went down one of the streets in Galena and found Mary Arthur's house. Charles Parham is the father of the apostolic movement. Charles Parham, at the turn of the century, the, the 19th or the, in the 1903, 1905, he came here to Galena and had a revival. 
He had a revival in Galena because a woman by the name of Mary Arthur invited him to her house because she was healed in one of her meetings because she was blind. She invited him to Galena, Kansas, and Charles Parham held a revival in Galena, and thousands of people showed up. In fact, you can go down to the library and look up old newspaper articles of the revival in Galena because the revival spread not only in the city of Galena, but it also spread in the city of Joplin. And I read the first part of the newspaper article, and it said this. This could be, this is what the newspaper article said, this could be one of the greatest movements of revival since the day of Pentecost because thousands of people were being saved in Galena and in Kansas. Who is Charles Parham? Charles Parham was a preacher of the holiness movement, and he had a Bible college in Wichita, uh, is it Wichita? Wikipedia, Topeka, Topeka, Kansas. He had a Bible college there, and it was free. People could go there for free. And he sent his students home and asked them, it was 1900, right, December 31st, 1900, and sent them home over Christmas break and said to them, I want you to search the book of Acts, and I want you to find what is the evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Ghost. They came back from their break, and on December the 31st, December the 31st, and went into the new year, Agnes Osmond began to be filled with the Holy Ghost because Charles Parham laid hands upon her, And she began to speak with other tongues. And Charles Parham began to preach that the initial evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit is that they speak with other tongues. Agnes Osmond spoke in tongues for three days. Three days she spoke in tongues and couldn't even speak English. He went out and began to preach this Pentecostal message that you had to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And thousands of people were being saved. And thousands of people were being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when he came to Galena, he began to preach that message before he went to Los Angeles to be a part of the Azusa Street Revival. And I said all of that to say this, the same God that showed up at the turn of the century and the same God that came to Galena, Kansas and spread throughout the city of Joplin is the same God that can show up at Christ Point Church in Galena, Kansas again. I serve a God of my forefathers. I serve the God that did it then, and I serve the God that can do it now. This is not the time for us to be discouraged. This is not the time for us to be down in the mouth. This is the time for us to stand up and say, God, if you're ever going to do it again, do it now. If you're ever going to show up, show up now. If you're ever going to show up and show out, do it now. We need another Pentecost, another revival. I want this church to be a stone. I want it to be a stone in Galena that when people drive by, they see this church and they said, ah, they couldn't even fill it up. But God showed up. And we didn't fill it up for our people. We got it for the city, for the unsaved, for the backslider, for the prostitute, for the drug addict. It's here as a stone, as a memorial. And the problem is, is we thought this church was for us. It's not for us. It's for a memorial. Well, hey, brother, that's all right. Give it up for Brother Gene. He's just rejoicing in the Lord. Does anybody else want to stand up and start walking around and say, I got to walk over this Jordan? Is there anybody else that just wants to stand up and say, I thank you. I'm taking territory. I'm being reminded of my stones. Hallelujah. This is not the time for you to be on your phone. So put the phone down. Everybody put your phone down. All right? This is not the time. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. I see three or four people on your phone and texting. Stop it. 
I'm being your father. That's not the time to text. When the Spirit of the Lord is moving, it's not the time to be texting on your phone. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. This church is a memorial. It is a stone for God to do something. It's memorials that God puts in our life. It's a pile of stones. You see, my last point, and this is interesting. It's interesting to me that not only was this a memorial, not just to look back, but so that future generations could find their way forward. But this story also teaches me that God, I'm about to, God, are y'all ready for this? You know, I tell you what, the word, I, can, I don't know how y'all can be depressed. If you just start reading, I ask you to read the Bible. And some of you still depressed. Come on, keep reading the Bible. Sometimes when you take a pill, it doesn't work right at first. Come on, somebody. Just because you eat right one day doesn't mean you're going to lose 20 pounds. you got to be consistent at it. So as I was reading the Bible, I noticed something I've never seen before. Now, Brother Mike, just let's read the Scripture first, okay? Joshua 3.14. Joshua 3.14 says this. So it was... When the people set out for the camp to cross over the Jordan, when the priest was bearing the ark of the Lord before the people of God. Look at verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all of its bank during the whole time of the harvest. Hold on. Number two. God does his best work during difficult times. Because look at verse 15. The Bible says that it was the season that the Jordan River overflows. It was the season of the harvest which represented that the banks of the Jordan River would overflow. In other words, God performed the miracle during a season that it was difficult. It was difficult to pass the Jordan River. And why was it difficult? Because it was the season of the harvest. And the season of the harvest is when the banks of the Jordan River is overflowing with water. So it was almost impossible to cross the Jordan. Listen, I've been to the Jordan River. I've been to Israel several times. It's not that scary. It's a big river, but it's not that scary. But it would be scary if it's overflowing with water and you can't pass over. But God did the miracle when the Jordan River was overflowing its banks with water. In other words, God picks the most difficult time to demonstrate his glory. God picks the most difficult time to demonstrate his glory. It may be, it may be a dangerous time. The waters may be too high. The problems may be too big. It may be too difficult. You may feel overwhelmed. The Jordan River is overflowing. But my friends, you are a candidate for God to do something in your life. Hallelujah. God does his best work during difficult times. It may be a Red Sea. But I prophesy to you, it's not a roadblock. You may be in a drought, but you're not in a desert. You may be in a trial, but you're not, you're, it's not, it's only temporary. You may be frustrated, but it's not going to last forever. It may hurt you, but it's not going to hinder you. It may cut you, but it's not going to kill you. It may be painful, but it's not going to paralyze you. It may be slow, but it's not going to stop you. It may scare you, but it's not going to enslave you. It may burn you, but it's not going to break you. God says, I'm going to show up at the midnight hour. Right when the banks were overflowing, God says right there is when I'm going to do the miracle. That's when I'm going to do the miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you know today, 
You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe it anymore. I'm so glad that your belief doesn't change God's mind about God's people or God's church. Does it? I stand here with confidence as I have looked at my stones this week. And I have reminisced over my stones. I'm reminded that God was better to me all those years than I could ever deserved or ever imagined. And why do I need to stand here discouraged? Why do I need to stand here disheartened when I got just a pile of stones in my life? They may not be anything special to you, but those piles of stones tell me that God hasn't given up on us. And I prophesy to this church that if God brought you out, he's going to bring you out this year. This is the exact time. This We are living in a wonderful time. Why is it wonderful? Because it's difficult. We're in a pandemic. Some of our government officials, you know, we don't, some like them and some don't. It doesn't matter. Some of you are so concerned about gay marriage. Stop it. That's not going to hinder the move of God. We, come on, some of us are so concerned about these political issues. That's not going to stop what God wants to do in and through his church. Yes, is there a right way to live? Yes. Is there sin? Yes. Does things need to be repented of? Yes. But that doesn't negate what God still wants to do through an imperfect church. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said how I was praying the other night. Aren't you glad pastor prays? So as I was praying, I was walking the floor. I was pouring my heart out to God. I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I got another stone. He said something. He said, Son, I am not a struggling God. You know, that liberated me. I got another stone. Because when I feel discouraged, I go back to that word God ain't struggling, He ain't worried, and He ain't nervous. And I'm not going to be worried either. I'm telling you, I'm your pastor. I'm here to stay. This is prevision. I'm going to let you know this month that we're going to gather some stones up. And we're going to fill the whole stage with a bunch of stones this month. And we're all going to have a party this month. And we're all going to celebrate. If God did it then, God is going to do it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. You know, in closing, give me two minutes. Put that check up there, brother. I got another stone. It's the month of September. I was praying. Sean. You can verify the story is true. I was praying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I just moved here. I don't have no money. I'm a school debt. And it's before I knew anything about loan forgiveness or forbearance or anything. So all this interest payments and everything was piling up. And I just moved from Kentucky and didn't know. And I was interceding and praying, walking the floors. One day, I got a phone call. Ding, ding, ding. Is this Pastor Josh Pennington? And I wasn't pastoring then. I was teaching at Messenger. Or maybe I was pastoring. I just had started. And I said, yes. She said, my name is so-and-so. She said, "Um, I heard you preach several years ago at a church. She said, as I was praying. She said, the Lord told me to write you $10,000. I said, I said, 
Say that again. She said, yeah, the Lord told me to write, tithe off of my check that I just got. I said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> she said, I'll be sending in, in the mail tomorrow. Well, I started shaking, and I didn't know what to do, so I got up, and I danced around my, I danced around in the living room, and then I ran as fast as I could because Sean was living at Messenger in an apartment. So I, I ran down there. I banged on his door. And what did I say? I just got a check. I said, how much did I get? $10,000. He said, bro, are you serious? I said, bro. I said, bro, $10,000. He said, bro. I said, bro. I said, bro. We said, bro. We said, bro, for 10 minutes. I want to let you know, I can't be discouraged. I just look at this stone. And it tells me the same God that did it for me can do it for you. He's just looking for somebody to believe him and to trust him and to put all of your eggs in one basket. The reason that God don't come through for some of us is because God is not your only plan. Well, if it doesn't work out, I could do this, this, and this. And that's why you don't see the miraculous. Because when you're down to the bottom of the barrel and you have nothing and you've depleted your resources and you have nowhere to go but to God, that's when God says, all right, I can work. You're a candidate now because I am your source and they are not. The problem is, is we allow people to be our source and God says they're supposed to be your resource, not your source. The reason we can't tithe is because you think your job is your source. The reason we don't want to let go of that money is because we think it's our source. And if I let go of it, how am I going to pay my bills? That's exactly what's wrong. You think it's your source. And God is saying, I'm the one that gave you the breath. I'm the one that gave you the ability to get up and work that job. I am your source. And I could take it away in a heartbeat. You see, and that's why we don't see the miraculous is because we think everything else is our source. God don't need your money. God's economy is not ran by on a piece of paper with green ink on it. It's not about money. Tithing is to break greed, and prayer is to break pride. The spiritual disciplines is to break the things in our life that we have inherited from our Adamic nature. Because no matter how holy you are, you are infiltrated with an Adamic nature from Adam. We're selfish, we're jealous, we're envy, and we do these spiritual disciplines to break it in our life. That's why, when God, that's why we don't see God to show up, because we've got other options. I need to shut up, because the Methodist is not out yet. They got about four minutes, so praise the Lord. I just, I just come by to teach a Bible study. Just want to encourage y'all, let you know I talked to God, and God told me to tell you he ain't done with us, and we're about ready to see something happen at Christ Point Church. Amen. That's what I just want to stop by and tell you. I just want to let y'all know that God told me to tell you it ain't over. He canceled the funeral plans. The funeral is canceled, and I am speaking life back into you. Saying, do you live? Saying, do you believe God with me? Trust God with me. Hallelujah.